Blog Talk Radio.
throne of God. Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. Immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne set in heaven, and one set on the throne. Father, we come standing before that great white throne. The throne that's been established from eternity. The throne which is surrounded with transcendent radiance. The angels. The seraphim. Beauty everywhere. The river of fire that flows from your throne. Oh, we love to stand before your throne, O God. We love to stand before the throne of God. divine encounter We want to be lost. 
lover, consumed with flaming fire.
our destiny. This is our inheritance. Oh God, to stand before the great white throne, to be lost in the river of holy fire, holy romance. camp around your throne, O oh God. The place of an abandoned life, standing before the throne forever and ever.
Finding myself at a loss for words And the funny thing is, it's okay The last thing I need is to be heard But to hear what you would say Word of God speak Would you pour down like rain Washing my eyes to see Your majesty To be still and know That you're in this place Please let me stay and rest In your holiness Word of God speak
to another edition of Prayer Radio. My name is Chris Herzog, and I'll be your host tonight. just wanted to take some time to worship the Lord, and we had a sort of an extended worship set. Normally we go till about from 10 to 10.30 uh, Central Standard Time. We'll usually do some worship uh, tonight. I just want to kind of create a good atmosphere by leaving uh, the worship uh, set a little longer just so we can spend some more time in the presence of the Lord. Do you know We've been talking a lot about prayer, a lot about spiritual warfare. We've been talking about our enemies and how to defeat our enemy, how to recognize our enemy and recognize his devices and schemes. And, you know, it's a big part of spiritual warfare. But before we get into our series tonight, we're going to continue on with that, actually, as the Lord leads. We've had some uh, prayer requests. And with that being said, um, right now, um, I just want to stop everything, stop what we're doing, and pray. Uh, As you know, Sean Holmberg also hosts the show with me. Um, Usually, we kind of throw it back and forth every other night. Uh, Probably for the next few nights, I'll be hosting the show. Uh, We kind of have a situation. His daughter actually had an accident today, and they had to take her to the emergency room this evening, or tonight, rather, and... Uh, basically, she had a vertebrae, um, one of the bones in her uh, spinal column, the one that's right below uh, the base of the skull and at the top of the spine. Uh, according to the doctors, it was fractured uh, quite intensely, so they had to put her in a neck brace, and they've got to do some CAT scans and some different testing this week, and we're not really sure which way that's going to go as far as what the doctors want to do. But we do know that God says that he is a healer, and he says by his stripes we are healed. And so we're going to stand in agreement for Sean, uh, for his family, for his daughter, Michaela, that the will of God would be done and the kingdom of God would come, which we believe is healing, wholeness, soundness, nothing missing, nothing broken. We believe that God is all-powerful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says in his own word that by his stripes, We are healed, and so we want to stand on the Word of God tonight on his behalf and on her behalf uh, for his family, declaring that no plague will come out of that dwelling. Nothing by any means will harm them, and we believe that not only is Sean and his wife uh, saved to the fullest, which means healing and deliverance, but so are his children, and the promises of God are for them too. So if you would, if you're uh, a believer, and you're in the chat room, you're listening live by telephone, you're uh, whatever the case is, um, if you're listening to this by archive this week, they really need some added intercession just to believe that this bone will mend and heal and be repaired. It's going to take a miracle for it to get back to the place it needs to be. And so we're believing for expedient miracles, a quick work. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just give you all the praise We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor tonight. We lift you up first and foremost, Lord. And, Father, we know that you're a healing Jesus. We know that you are a healing God, Father, and that you said healing is the children's bread. So, Father, right now we lift up Michaela to you. 
and we disagree with the intercessors around the globe that are praying not only on this program but all over the place. And, Father, you said there's power in agreement, that if two or more touch anything, it would be done. And so, Father, we choose to believe your word tonight, not the report of man, not the report of the doctors, not the report of anything contrary to your word, but we choose to stand on your word tonight that says that by your stripes she is healed. And that, Father, right now we just come against every attack of the enemy, and we just declare, Father, in Jesus' name, these bones would be mended, these bones would be healed. Father, this fracture would just, uh, just everything would begin to come together. It would be whole and stronger and strengthened more than it was in the beginning. But, Father, when they begin to run these other tests tomorrow, when they run the second CAT scan, Father, we're believing that they would notice a major difference that they would notice healing and wholeness, Lord, that they'd even have to take a double take, and it would bring all glory and power to your name, Lord Jesus. So right now we just declare that this child will be whole. She will have full functionality of her neck and her spine. And in Jesus' name, there will be no complications. In Jesus' name, there will be no repercussions. And in Jesus' name, there will be nothing by any means that can harm her. So we declare she will be able to move and have her being. The Father, she'll be able to function the way you created her to function. And the Father, we just thank you, Father, for healing her from the top of her head, Lord God, all the way down, Lord, that spine. And Father, we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we speak peace over Sean and Rebecca tonight and their family as they're carrying this, Lord, and trying to juggle work and different things going on. We pray that you would lighten the burden, lighten the load. And, Father, we just stand, Lord, and just declare in Jesus' name, it is done. Amen. Well, if you're just tuning in, this is Prayer International Radio. You can check us out. We're at www.prayerinternational.org. That's our web address. We've got some videos, some devotionals, uh, some different things we've added and changed to our website quite a bit over the last few months. Also, we're going to be doing Sunday morning services, or we are doing Sunday morning services via video. Uh, we'll be changing some things up for Wednesday nights, uh, putting some video uploads, some video teachings. Uh, we'll start doing on Ustream and YouTube and different media uh, via video. So kind of keep up with that. Check that out. And if you need to email us, we've changed our email address. It's now prayer at prayerinternational.org. That's P-R-A-Y-E-R at P-R-A-Y-E-R-I-N-T-E-R-N-A-T-I-O-N-A-L dot O-R-G. And so um, the old email address still gets to us, but eventually after a few months it will be phased out. So we'll put up the new information in the chat room, also on the website. And we just ask that you continue to pray for us. We are going through a season of warfare ourselves. We're going through battles uh, with our enemy. And, you know, of course, he does not want to see this ministry go forward. He does not want to see the word of God being preached. He does not want to see souls saved or lives transformed or bodies healed or whatever the will of God is for the season. But we are declaring that we're going to stand having done all to stand. You know, that's one thing about warfare, and that's one thing about our enemy. The Bible says he seeks about like a roaring lion. He goes to and fro as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we know that he's a 24-hour enemy. Okay, we need to realize that he's a uh, fallen angel. 
okay? He's an ex-employee of heaven, okay? And he operates in a spiritual realm, and, of course, he doesn't sleep, okay? And we need to realize that with that being said, Jesus said to be watchful, to, to be sober, to be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is about. He said not to be ignorant of the devil's devices. And so as we're talking about spiritual warfare, we need to recognize that we have an enemy. Now, truthfully, people are not our enemy. Our real enemy is the devil. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and forces of spiritual wickedness in high places. So we know that the enemy is truly the, the devil, he's Satan, whatever you want to call him. Okay? Yes, he uses people. Yes, he uses situations in our life. Yes, he can even use some of the people closest to us to get to us. But the truth is, is our battle is not flesh and blood, but it's spiritual. It's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. And we need to recognize the fact that the way he he works in us, the way he works against us, is in the realm of the spirit. It's in the realm of the spirit. You know, the Christian soldier, we talked about this last night a little bit. The Bible says that we're to endure hardness as a good soldier, Second Timothy 2, 3. We need to realize that, that God calls us warriors. He calls us soldiers and that there's a good fight that we're fighting. It's the good fight of faith, which you can see that in Timothy 6, 12. And this is the deal. There's always going to be fluctuating seasons in our lives. We're always going to have conflict. There may be times of prosperity, and there's times of adversity. We'll deal with lightness and darkness. We'll deal with victory, and sometimes we'll deal with defeat. But no matter what situation we're going through, no matter what we're dealing with, we need to realize, we need to realize that God calls us to pray continually. God calls us to pray always. And that's one of the things. It means to pray much. If we're going to win much, we need to pray much. If we're going to defeat our enemy and his agents, we need to pray always with all manner of prayer. Ephesians 6.18 gives us divine direction to cover all seasons. To cover every situation in our lives, good, bad, whether we're in the valley, whether we're on the mountain, whether we're going through a season of abundance or we're going through a season of lack, realize that God says it's just a season. It's only for a moment. And we need to get to a place where we're fighting the good fight, praying always because, listen, the essential need of our lives is much praying. If we're going to have any kind of breakthrough, if we're going to have any kind of victory in the things of the Spirit, if we're going to win this battle, it's going to be through prayer. Now listen, 618 of Ephesians through verse 20 says this, Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication for all the saints and also for me that the utterance may be given to me 
and opening my mouth boldly, proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly, as I ought to speak. So we need to understand the life of the Christian is intense conflict. Now listen, if somebody told you when you got saved, everything was going to be rainbows and bunnies, and everything was going to be perfect, honestly, you were sold a lie. Because, see, we're, we're called to a warfare. We're called to a good fight. We're called to be soldiers in the army of God. And sometimes, even though we want to recognize ourselves as sons and daughters of God, we need to realize that the truth is, is we're soldiers in the army of God. And sometimes we need to take our place and we need to handle this as if we're in a real war, if we're in a real battle, because the truth of it is we are. We are. The life of a Christian is going to be warfare, intense conflict, lifelong contest. Okay? And this battle is fought against invisible foes who are always alert. They're always seeking to entrap us, deceive us, ruin the souls of men. Now, the Bible calls us to life. It doesn't call us to a picnic. It doesn't call us to a holiday. But it calls us to live a life of warfare. Jesus said, be watchful. Watch and pray that you don't enter temptation. Be watchful. Be sober. Be vigilant. Constantly, we're reminded by Christ. We're reminded by Paul. We're reminded by the the New Testament writers. And we need to take this exhortation serious. Listen, prayer is not a pastime. Prayer is not just some pleasurable excursion. Now, we can have times in the presence of God that are pleasurable. Okay? In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. This is true. We can have times of of wonderful worship and praise and experience the glory and the power and the presence and the peace of the Holy Spirit. And these are the things that God wants us to experience. But, see, there's two sides to the coin. And God didn't just call us to this pleasurable excursion. He called us to fight, to dig our heels in, and to pray without ceasing, to not stop. That means pray continually. It means do not stop praying. You can't stop warfare. Your your enemy is always going to be looking for ways to knock you down. Your enemy is going to look for ways to knock you out and get you out of the picture to keep you from the plans of God. And we talked about the four ways he does that last night. We talked about the delays. We talked about the distractions. We talked about the disappointments. These are three of the ways that he he constantly uses against us. Probably some of the most uh, common ways that he comes against us are delays, distractions, disappointments, And a lot of times, what we don't even recognize, he uses deceit or deceptive ways. He uses lies. Most of the time, it's through our ignorance, or most of the time, it's through men or women of God that are preaching half-truths or total fallacies. Somebody will tell you that God doesn't heal anymore because they prayed two times and they didn't get healed. That's a lie. God does heal. Somebody will tell you that God doesn't care about prospering you because They think that all Christians should live in rags and poverty. That's a lie. God wishes above all that you would prosper. 
and be in good health. A lot of times, the enemy comes against us with these four areas, okay? But we need to realize the way we overcome this, and we talked about that a little bit last night, but the main thing is that we get to a place of prayer. We get to a place where we wrestle. And sometimes it's effort. Sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes it demands putting on full energy of the spirit in order to frustrate our enemy, in order to frustrate our foe. We have to get completely enthralled in the things of God, completely submerged, completely focused, completely caught up in the things of God. And we need to pray with all our might. We need to pray with everything we got. Second Timothy 2.3 says, Endure hardness as a good soldier. And a lot of people have misconceptions of the Christian life. The average church member, usually they have no understanding of the character of the conflict. They don't understand the demands that God puts on on them, they they don't understand that that role of prayer. They don't understand the role of intercession, the role of spiritual warfare, and therefore they live defeated lives. They never apprehend the blessings and the promises of God. They never go do the things that God's called them to do because of the little amount of prayer that's in their lives. And you know, sometimes prayer seems like a chore. Sometimes it seems like a work. And it is. Sometimes it seems like one of the hardest things to do. And notice, when you begin to pray and when you set your mind to have set times to pray and and a place to pray and certain things you need to pray, all of a sudden the enemy will come at you and try to keep you from that place of prayer. He'll put everything he can in your way, everything he can in your path to keep you from really seeking the face of God and getting that breakthrough and coming into the kingdom Mentality and coming into that kingdom mindset and actually allowing the the purposes and the presence and the the power of God to manifest in your daily routine. And if you guys, uh, for some reason, if you can't hear me, I noticed a few people in the chat room were losing sound, so let me know um, if for any reason you don't have sound, and we'll work on that. But uh, I believe uh, we're, we're still live. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but spiritual wickedness in high places. And we need to realize the character of the Christian life is plainly, basically molded and shaped from the place of prayer. You know, even Paul urged us to put on the whole armor of God. He told us to be a disciple of the Lord. Urge us to pray with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And this present generation would be so wise if all the people that profess the faith, all the teachers of our faith, all the ministers and those that profess Jesus could really be persuaded to realize this one vital truth. 
the only way to have a successful Christian life is to be completely enthralled, completely caught up in the place of prayer. Completely caught up in the place of prayer. Now, we're not talking about selfish prayers. We're not talking about just praying for this and that. Oh, Lord, I need this. Oh, Lord, I need that. Now, don't get me wrong. God says you have not because you ask not. And so God does want us to trust him with everything in our lives and everything that we have need of. Whatever you have need of, it's okay to ask God for But your prayer life doesn't need to stop there. Your prayer life doesn't need to stay shallow at that place. See, Jesus taught us when we come to the Father, when we enter our closet and we pray, we say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The, The basis and the foundation of our prayer life needs to be focused on his kingdom. It needs to be focused on his will. It needs to be focused on the direction of the Lord and the affection of the Lord and not our own. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is death. That's why we have to set our mind on things above and not on these temporal things below. And if you don't have your mind set on the things above, if you're not fixed and focused, if you don't have a kingdom mindset, you're not going to get kingdom results. You know, one of the things that will dry up the spiritual blessings in your life, one thing that will poison the fountain, so to speak, is selfish praying. We need to get away from selfish praying and begin to plead and and pray and ask God according to what his word says. We need to get a place where his word becomes first and foremost authority in our lives, and what we do is we line up our praying with his word. We talk about the armor of God, but really if you look at every piece of the armor, these are kingdom mindsets. These are kingdom character attributes. It's not just this imaginary helmet that we put on top of our head. It's not just this imaginary suit that we get dressed into every morning and act as if we're putting on the armor of God. Now, for some people, they need that visual. For some people, they need that that mental uh, picture to help them, uh, I guess, make a correlation. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what a lot of people do is they go through these motions of prayer. Okay, they go through these rattling off scripture and rattling off uh, memorized verses, but they're not things that they have truly implanted in their hearts. They're not, uh, the word of God's not embedded in their life. They don't practice it. They don't live it out. They don't try to walk it out. They just rattle it off because they've memorized some scripture, some head knowledge, and then they wonder why their prayers aren't getting answered. Listen, We're told to be doers of the word, not hearers only. That from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we have to hide his word in our heart so that we don't sin against him. We have to get to a place where the the meditations of our heart, the words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart, the 
produce of our life is pleasing and acceptable in God's sight. And so without prayer, without having an understanding of the word of God embedded in our lives, the Christian's armor, so to speak, won't avail him anything. Constantly, when you watch and look at Ephesians 6, how he talked about the armor of God, and we'll get into this, but he's constantly going back and forth about prayer, constantly going back and forth about prayer and supplication, intercession, all manner of prayer. Prayer is the all-important, absolutely essential ingredient to victory. Prayer should impregnate the life so that every breath becomes a petition, every sigh, everything that comes out of your heart's a, a supplication. It's a praise. It's a glory to God. The Christian soldier has to always be fighting. Listen, warfare never stops. And the more miracles you're believing for, the more answered prayer you're believing for, the more kingdom of God you're calling into your life, the more warfare you're going to deal with. So you can't stop fighting. You can't stop fighting. Listen, watchfulness. Watchfulness, being ready, being alert. Listen, we said it earlier, our enemy never sleeps. He's always alert. He's always prepared to take advantage of the Christian. That's why Jesus said, be watchful. Watch and pray that you don't enter temptation. Watch, watch, watch. He's constantly telling us to watch. Ephesians 6.18. Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. There's always this watching. Listen to this. This might kind of put it in perspective. Matthew 26.41. Christ says, Watch and pray. You know, here are these guys. He took them up to pray with them, and he, they fall asleep. He says, could you not be with, carry with me one hour? And he tells them, watch, be awake. Listen, the, the New Testament, there's three different words that are translated watch. The first one means the absence of sleep. The first word for watch means the absence of sleep. It implies wakeful frame of mind as opposed to listlessness. Listlessness, sorry. It's a command to keep awake, be attentive, be vigilant. The second word means fully awake or a state induced by something rousing, active, cautious effort. Unless through some carelessness or laziness, some destructive calamity should suddenly evolve. Listen to that. Through some destructive calamity should suddenly evolve. He's saying, look, don't be lazy. Don't be careless. Be fully awake. Be completely roused. Be active. Show cautious effort so that no calamity comes about. And the third word means to be calm and collected in spirit. You know, the Bible says he's not given us a spirit of fear, power, love, and a sound mind. But we're to be calm 
We're to have a sound mind to be collected in spirit, to be sober, unemotional, untouched by confusing circumstances, cautious against all pitfalls and diversion. That's what watchfulness is. It means pay attention. Don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. So many times we we don't, you know, it's just like being in a, a watchman in a watchtower, okay? The watchman, I've said this many times, but I've, I've never given a very detailed description of it. But think, a watchman would climb up in that watchtower and he would watch and wait for the enemy. And as soon as he even saw a stirring or a dust cloud or heard the the horses, heard the rumbling of the army, he'd alert. He'd alert the other soldiers. We're to be watchful. We're to be sober. We're to be vigilant. We're to notice the pitfalls and diversions. And out of these three definitions that are used by Paul, two of them are always used in connection with prayer. Watchfulness, when it's intensified, is a necessity for prayer. It guards and covers the whole spiritual man. It prepares him for prayer. And everything that resembles unpreparedness or non-vigilant, you know, we're supposed to be vigilant in prayer. Anything that resembles laziness in the place of prayer is going to bring death to our prayers. If we want our prayers to be vibrant and life-giving, full of effects, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Fervent prayer. That's the kind that's effectual. It's got to be fervent. So we need to realize that we need to be alert. See, our enemy, First Peter 5, 8, says that he's walking about seeking whom he may devour. But just as the shepherd can't be careless unless the wolf devours the sheep. The Christian soldier has to have his eyes wide open. And there's a companion and a safeguard of prayer, which are vigilance, watchfulness, fervency. Colossians 4.2 tells us to continue in prayer and watch and the same with thanksgiving. So when we begin to think about warfare, we need to begin to pay attention. That's why we're told to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion walking about, thinking whom he may devour. Be sober. Be sober-minded. Be vigilant. Continue in prayer. Continue in prayer. That's how we get the victory. That's how we get the victory. And unless we're praying, and I mean praying, we're easy prey for our spiritual enemies. Unless prayer has an importance in our life, our influence and experience will be powerless. Our Christian graces will shrivel. Listen, you know, the Bible talks about the tree planted beside the rivers of living water. It says this leaf will not wither. 
and whatever he does shall prosper? That's the man that stays meditating on the word of God night and day. That's part of prayer. We have to have God's word. We live by every word that proceeds out of his mouth. We've got to get to a place where the prayers of God, the prayers of the word of God, are continually coming out of us. But it's an overflow and an expression of what God's already doing in our hearts. We're hiding that word in our hearts. And all of a sudden, we're declaring it out of our mouth into the earth. Let it be so. God's will be done. His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So God's calling us to warfare. And if you're a Christian soldier, and you're hoping and dreaming and and desiring victory... then you need to put on your armor and you need to be vigilant and you need to be steadfast in the place of prayer. Now I want to get into Ephesians 6, which we started in Ephesians earlier this week and I said we'd get to the armor of God, but then we got into the spiritual warfare thing, but it all kind of ties into the armor of God, so we'll finally get to Ephesians 6. And if you've heard me teach this before, I'll probably teach it three or four different ways, three or four different times in a year. But it's something you need to get down and not just take it as like a uh, Holy Ghost rosary, so to speak. You see, I'm, I'm not into going through the motions. God's not into going through the motions. But he wants us to have an understanding of his word, really. And he wants us to pray. All right, so finally, my brethren, this is verse 10. Be strong in the Lord. This is chapter 6, verse 10 of Ephesians. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, how are you going to stand against the wiles of the devil if you're not cautious, if you're not aware of his schemes? He uses deceit. He uses distractions. He uses disappointments. He uses delays. Those are the four that come up, uh, you know, to my mind. He uses other things too, but typically those are four of the things that he'll, he'll come against you with. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, verse 12, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, the world, this world against spiritual wickedness and high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, having done all to stand. See, God wants us to stand. God wants us to withstand and stand against the walls of the devil, and He wants us to be able to stand firm, get a firm footing. When you're in a fight, you need to have a firm footing to make sure your enemy doesn't knock you down. So it's saying, stand there for having your loins girded about with truth. Now, this isn't some imaginary belt that we snap on and say we've got our belts of truth on. Like I said, for some people, it may be good to have that visual and it may help you pray in the mornings or at night or whatever when you're putting your armor on. But what it means is we walk in truth. 
The Father seeketh such to worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus said, Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He told us to speak truth in love. And we're not to, to walk about like the father of lies, but we're to walk in truth. We need to be transparent. We need to be upright. We need to be upfront, forthright about everything that we do. If we don't walk in truth, if we don't walk in truth, that whole area is exposed. If we don't have that girdle, that belt on, then that whole area is exposed, the whole innermost part of our being. If we don't walk in truth and we're walking in deceit and we're walking in lies, well, then it taints our soul. We walk deceived. And if faith works by love and we're to speak truth in love, it all works hand in hand. Faith is, is is having a confidence in God, a belief and an assurance in God, but it's based on God's words. And God's word is truth. In fact, he is our frame of reference for truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so understand that it's more than just putting on a spiritual belt, but it's getting to a place where truth and everything that we do is the character of our life. Now he says, having the breastplate of righteousness. And this is more than just a spiritual top half of the armor that we clad ourselves with, that we put on or cover over our heart. And I've got my breastplate of righteousness on. Well, listen. Righteousness means holy living. It means living right with God. It means living upright. Being in right standing with God. It means walking in holiness. Now, yes, Jesus is our righteousness. Yes, the blood of Jesus makes us righteous. But the Bible says that we're to walk in a spirit of holiness. Now, we're not saved by good works. Lest any man should boast. But we're saved for good works. We're saved. That's why they call us the righteous. So we're to walk in righteousness. If you're not living holy, listen, you're living unholy. If you're not living righteous, you're living unrighteous, and you're not in right standing with God. If you've got unconfessed sin in your life, and you've got areas of your life that the Lord has told you to make right, but you've chosen not to, if I've got areas in my life that I haven't given over to God, then I've given the devil a foothold. You see, if we live unholy, we give the enemy legal ground. We give him a legal right to come in and wreak havoc in our life. The Bible says, guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. Don't harden your heart, but guard your heart. Why? Because if your heart is hardened, you can't hear his voice. If you've got sin in your life and your conscience is seared or tainted, you'll have trouble distinguishing the voice of the Lord. If you've got sin in your life, the Bible says your sin has separated you from your God. Some people say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why he gave us the Old and the New Testament. And I'm not trying to preach a legalism or a law, but the truth is, is if you're not living holy and you're not living righteous, 
It will affect your prayer life. It will affect the outcome of your prayers. It will affect the, possibly even bring sickness and, and issues and circumstances into your life. And so we want to live righteous. That's our breastplate. That's what guards our heart. That's what covers our soul and our spirit and keeps us in a, in a right place with God so we can hear him clearly. God says, and we continue on, verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And there's that firm footing, the gospel of peace. It's the gospel, the gospel of Jesus. It's it's being made righteous with Christ, being made right with Christ. Listen, that's our foundation. Christ is our foundation. And if we're going to have a firm foothold so we can't get knocked down, we put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Not only will, you know, if we keep our mind stayed on Jesus, he is our peace, which passes all understanding. He says, I lead you in peace. You should be led forth in peace. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's, it's the leading of God, the guidance of God. If you want to have proper guidance, if you want to have a proper footing, if you want to go in the right direction, then you need to shod your feet with peace. And the only way you're going to have peace is to be in right standing with God. Is to have the gospel actively working in your life. And Jesus is the gospel. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We can't pray, we can't rightfully approach God unless we have peace with God. But these are character traits. It's not some imaginary suit of armor that we put on. And I know, and I, I grew up in Pentecostal charismatic circles. I was raised Catholic. I was saved Baptist. Okay, then I received uh, the Holy Spirit or some, uh, some gifts of the Spirit, whatever you want to call it. But I came into some deeper understanding. And in some of these circles, when we prayed in the morning, people would put on these imaginary jumpsuits and they would call it the armor of God. And they'd go through these motions. But the character of God wasn't in their lives. And they lived defeated lives. And no matter how much they prayed that way, they would still have defeated lives. And see, we can become disillusioned if we just go through the motions. We're not allowing Christ in us to form his character and his glory in us. So verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. And we're told to take the shield of faith. And we need to have an understanding of faith. So just live by faith. And if any man draw back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We walk by faith and not by sight. Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we have to have a confidence. We have to have a trust and a reliance on God. But it comes through faith. Listen, faith is not only a gift of the Spirit, but it's a fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. Okay, so faith is very important to God. 
Faith works by love. So that means you have to have a love relationship with God. Listen, this is your shield. If you don't have confidence with God, if you don't have trust in the Lord and what he says he'll do in your life and who he says he is in your life, if you don't have a trust and a confidence in who God says you are and what your identity is in him, then you're going to be an open target for the enemy. But if you have faith, listen, faith pleases God. Faith pleases God. We're told in Hebrews 11, without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we have to have faith. How do we do that? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. James tells us, ask in faith. He says, ask in faith, not wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave that's tossed and driven by the wind. Let that man not think he'll receive anything from the Lord if he's not asking in faith. And so we have to have faith. It's our shield. That's what quenches and extinguishes the fiery darts of the wicked. It's a character trait. It's not some imaginary shield we we lift up and say, I've got my shield of faith today. So we need to realize the armor for the Christian, for the soldier, is the character of God. It's the fruit of the Spirit. We're told to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Listen, the helmet of salvation. We need to have a mindset. We need to guard our minds, guard our heads with that helmet. Our salvation means we have a relationship with Christ, but we can begin to think on these things. Whatsoever things are pure and lovely, good report. Set our mind on things above. We have to get an eternal perspective, an eternal mindset. And he says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Well, that's our weapon. That's a weapon. Using the Word of God as a weapon. That's what Jesus used. That's what Eve started to use before she was deceived. That's what Jesus used to defeat the enemy. To take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, here it is, praying always with all prayer. Back to prayer. And any time we're in a, a fight, any time we're in a battle, we need to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And here Jesus talks about watching again, watching thereunto all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We need to be praying. We need to be praying. He says, and pray for me, and I'll go ahead and finish the chapter. Pray for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. We need to pray for boldness. We need to ask God to open our mouths and put his words in our mouths, put his word 
not our words, but his words in our mouth, that we speak by the Spirit, that we speak truth and love. And we need to pray for that. So we're talking about the armor of God in relation to prayer, in relation to being a good soldier, in relation to this spiritual battle. Because, see, unless we're walking in these character traits, we can have a defeated life. Last night we talked about different things that we could use to defeat our enemy, one of them being the name of Jesus. When we pray, we need to pray in the name. Realize Michael the Archangel, he didn't say, I rebuke you. He said, the Lord rebuke you. He always spoke in the name or in the nature of or in the power and the authority of Christ. In Christ Jesus. But if you're not walking in the character and you're not walking in the spirit, just like the sons of Sceva in the book of Acts, when they came to rebuke these demons out of these people, They said, well, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but we don't know you guys. And they jumped out and they tormented them and they sent them running down the street. And if you're not in a place where holiness operates in your life, if you're not in a place where righteousness operates in your life, if you don't have a confidence and a reliance on the word of God and and you don't come to God in faith believing that he is who he says he is, It's going to be hard to extinguish those fiery darts. Listen, your enemy is going to throw darts at you. He's going to sling arrows at you. He's going to come with his guns loaded. He's seeking to and fro like a roaring lion. Now listen, we have the lion. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he is truly roaring over his people tonight in victory. He calls us more than conquerors. Listen, we have victory in the Lord. We have victory in the Lord. There's victory in the name of Jesus. We need to realize that. With God, all things are possible. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Philippians 4.13 tells us we can do all things through Christ because he strengthens us. 1 Corinthians tells us, thanks be to God who gives me the victory through Jesus Christ my Lord. You have victory. You have victory. You have victory. We're told we have authority to defeat the enemy and nothing will harm us. Jesus said it in the book of Luke. The gospel of Luke, sorry. Romans tells us we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. John tells us greater is he in us than he that's in the world. The Lord will deliver us. Isaiah tells us the weapon of born to fashion that gives us a prosper. We're born of God and the, oh, the evil one can't touch us. We've overcome the world by faith. David tells us the Lord is our refuge and our strength, the very present help in time of trouble. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are safe. God before you, who can be against you? So we have victory. We have victory 
It's already been won on Calvary. The blood of Jesus is speaking for us tonight. The blood of Jesus is speaking for us every day. The blood of Jesus is speaking for us when we lay down and when we rise up. But we have to continue to fight the good fight of faith. We have to stand in confidence in the Lord and not give the devil any footing, not give the devil any place. Don't get, don't carry holes in your armor. Don't put your shield down. Don't put your faith in the Lord down. You know, there's always going to be warfare. Whatever you're believing God for, your your faith is going to get tested. Whatever you're praying for, whatever you're asking God for, many times you'll have a direct attack or direct affront or a, a testing of your faith. But God says it produces patience, it produces godly character. Realize that. There's a reason your faith gets tested. There's a reason your faith gets tested. To produce the character of God in you. You know, in Japanese, I believe I learned at one point, the same word for crisis is the exact same word that they use for opportunity. When you go through a crisis, it gives you an opportunity to exemplify Christ. It gives God an opportunity to reveal his self to you. So we need to just trust God in every situation of our lives. First Peter one seven says the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold that perishes, though it may be tried with fire, it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus. First Peter one seven. Listen, adversity is the breeding ground for miracles. Warfare is the place right before your miracle happens, you're gonna have warfare. I guarantee it. You're gonna be tested. Right before you get a breakthrough, the enemy's going to try to put a wall up, but that's the whole idea of a breakthrough. You break through. God doesn't leave you in it. He gets you out on the other side. But the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold, it perishes. So it'll be tried with fire. It might be found under praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You're going to be tested. How can you have a testimony if you're not tested? The Lord said the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. When you come to God, you have to believe that he is. Praise God. I'm just talking tonight. We've got victory. We're going to have battles. But praise God. Praise God that he's won the victory for us. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's all about the Lord. 
You know, tonight I was going to talk about different ways to recognize our enemies, and I'm not really sure where I want to go with that. But listen, Jesus had enemies. Jesus recognized who his enemies were. And if you're going to defeat your enemy, you need to recognize them. In John seven nineteen, he said, why go you about to kill me? He knew. He knew they were coming to kill him. John seven nineteen, he, he called him out. Listen, Jesus expected his disciples to stir up enemies. Matthew 10.22 says, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. The disciple is not above his master, the servant not above his lord. And they call the master of the household Beelzebub. How much more shall they call them of his household? Matthew 10.24 and 25, basically. Paraphrase. But look, Jesus told us we're going to have enemies. He instructed his disciples to anticipate enemies. He said, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, Matthew 10, 16. 17 and 18, continue and say, But beware of men, for they will deliver you and their counsels, scourge you in their synagogues. You should be brought before the governors and kings for my name's sake for testimony against them and the Gentiles. Now, he wasn't just warning us of the devil, but he warned us that, that we're going to deal with with men, with people. People will be our enemies. Now, we don't wrestle with them. We wrestle with the enemy. We wrestle with the devil. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. But God will use people in our lives to bless us, and the enemy will use people in our lives to try to throw us off track. Listen, your enemy is any person that resents your desire for increase. Your enemy is anyone that attempts to sabotage the assignment of God for your life. Anyone who increases or strengthens one of your weaknesses. That's your enemy. Anyone that's trying to kill your faith. Anything God's trying to birth in you, if somebody's coming along trying to kill it, that's your enemy. Anyone that wants to remind you of your past instead of your future. Jesus said in Isaiah, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? He'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So anyone that's trying to remind you of the bad of your past, Bring guilt and condemnation into your life. It's your enemy. Look, Jesus pleads his blood over your past so that you can have a hope in a future. Sometimes your enemy could be those of your own household. Matthew 10.36 said, A man's foes shall be they that are of his own household. But don't be afraid. You don't have to live in fear. Fear in them not which kill the body, but those which kill the soul. 
Fear him which is able to destroy both the soul and the body and put him in hell, Matthew 10, 28. God says, don't be afraid of man. Don't be insecure. Don't be inferior. But be secure and be confident in the Lord your God. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. He'll tell you who your enemies are. He'll tell you who your friends are. He'll tell you who you can walk with and who you need to get away from. Fast and pray and trust me. All of a sudden your enemies will emerge. But fasting and prayer will subdue your enemies. And this is a natural necessary part of life. We have to be tested. It's part of it. Listen, David had to face the face the bear and the lion. He also had to face Goliath. It was part of it. It was part of his assignment. And in your life, you're going to have bears and lions. You're going to have Goliath. You're going to have Saul that want to stop the assignment of God in your life. cannot defeat your enemy in your own strength. The Bible says it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Is your sufficiency of God? cannot defeat your enemy in your own strength. God expects you to prepare your defense against your enemy. It's one of the keys to your reward. It's one of the ways you're going to get victory in your life. Don't focus on your enemy. Focus on the reward. Like I said, your enemy gives God an opportunity to reveal his commitment to you. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. You're going to get this wisdom in the place of prayer. You're going to get the wisdom on how to defeat your foe in the place of prayer. If you want to overcome, if you want to be more than a conqueror, this is going to happen in the secret place. Listen to Psalm 27, 5 and 6. There's so many psalms about the secret place. We could go on for a while. But it says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rod, and now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about. Therefore, I will offer his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises to the Lord. So he says he'll set you up on a rod in the secret place, the secret of his tabernacle. Psalm 91 says, they that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, and it continues to tell us all the different enemies that will be defeated, that no plague will come nigh your dwelling. So a thousand shall fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, it will not come near you. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Your enemy can't stand the weapon of praise. So keep his praise continually in your mouth. 
your enemy can be defeated, whether they be supernatural or natural enemies, always ask God's angels to cover you and to surround you. Realize. Just have expectation that in God you will do valiantly. It is he that will tread down your enemies. Even when you feel defeated, even when you feel loss of motivation, ask God to give you motivation. Ask the Holy Spirit to quicken you and to prepare you. And if you're listening in, I'm actually not taking any calls tonight. I just want to continue to declare the Word of God. Uh, There's people in the chat room that will pray. Father, right now I just pray for Devin Danner. I just ask, Lord God, your will be done and your kingdom come over his life. Father, I pray that you'd reveal yourself to him in a mighty way. Father, whatever his needs are today, Father, I pray that you'd meet him in the middle of the situation. Father, I pray that you turn his heart completely towards you. And that whatever is in his life to distract or derail him or deceive him, that you would shake him. Shake his enemies. Shake his enemies. Shake his enemies. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray, Lord God, that you shake everything that can be shaken in his life. Reveal yourself to him. And I thank you, Father, that you're arranging the circumstances in his life, Lord, to bring him to the full knowledge of Jesus, to the full knowledge of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Father God, that your kingdom is coming. Thank you, Father. Bless bless him, Lord. Keep him on the right track, Lord. And, Father, I pray that you take blinders off of his eyes and reveal yourself to him in a mighty way. In Jesus' name. So tonight we're just talking a little bit about the, the nature of your enemy. And the reason being, we need to realize, we need to recognize, not be ignorant of his devices. And you know, the last few nights I've been teaching on this, I've been tested by so many enemies, different trolls, different people coming into the chat room, different uh, fake callers coming in. So, you know, I just say be careful because we don't know uh, what people are doing, what people are saying. I know we've had a lot of people come in and, and do some things that are uh, an affront to the kingdom of God over the last week, so I'm being very cautious who I let come in and and what calls I take. But just pray for him. Listen, we have enemies. We have one main enemy who hates God and he hates the plan of God and he'll do whatever he can to distract you and derail you. But also there's men and women out there that that through their ignorance, uh, they've become an enemy to the people of God. So, you know, we just pray. 
We just pray in the name of Jesus. You know, the Bible tells us to make peace with our enemies. Let enemies be a bridge. God says he'll make your enemies a footstool. What this means is he'll use even the the negative, even the, the good, bad, the ugly of your life, even the people that come against you, he can make them your footstool. And a footstool is like a stepladder. Okay, it will elevate you higher. It'll it'll get you to that place where you can accomplish your goal and your task. I mentioned this one time before that my wife she's she's um, not not even five feet tall. Okay, and when she needs to reach up into a higher place in the cabinet or or get up somewhere higher, if I'm not available to get it for her, she has to step up on a step ladder, or a little step, you know, a couple step step ladder. But once she steps up on that step ladder, she's high enough to reach her goal. And God says he'll do that with your enemies. He'll make your enemies a footstool. So realize when these, these attacks come and these schemes come and these people come into your life to, you know, wreak havoc on you or do things to you, God can use those people. God can use those situations. He can use those crises to become your opportunity. He can use those to elevate you higher into a higher place. And so we praise God that he uses all things for the good. He uses all things for the good. And I know tomorrow night I'll probably be doing the show too, probably for the next few nights. We're going to stick in the spiritual warfare series. Tonight we we talked a little, we just kind of skimmed the surface again and I brought out a couple points again. We'll get into the deeper things, you know. It's, it's line upon line. There's so much that the Word of God talks about warfare and how we're to fight. There's so many things that the Bible reveals about our enemies and about our enemy, the devil. So many things that he reveals about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I think tomorrow night we're going to talk about the weapons of warfare. We've got weapons. We talked about one tonight that was praying continually. We talked about the armor of God. And we'll get into some of these other spiritual weapons throughout the week. Listen, we need to be prepared for the battle. We need to be prepared. Watch and prepare. Let me pray for you. We're going to close out. Listen, tonight I just want to lift up Sister Sherry. Uh... Pet Prep Radio, listen, I know you're tired. I, I kind of skimmed some of the chat room tonight. I haven't been too chatty tonight, so you got to forgive me that I didn't participate too much. Uh, tomorrow night I'll probably be back in there a little more. But um, listen, we just pray strength over you, sister. We pray grace and peace. We pray that God would heal your financial situation. We pray provision and, and everything that you need to go forth in your assignment, everything that you need that, to do what God's calling you to do, we pray that God would grace you with it. Pray his kingdom come and his will be done, especially over Andrew. That he would work out differences there in your home. Bring peace and unity in your home in Jesus' name. That the strife would settle. And the peace of God would cover your your household. That the presence and the power of God would be settled. And that that would become your sanctuary. And Father, right now, Lord, I pray for... Sister Cheryl, Lord, J.C. Overcomer Ministries, that you would use this woman of God mightily to reach 
and teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Souls, 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 salvation, salvation, salvation. Lord, that you would help to mature the body of Christ and bring them to a place of maturity, to bring them to a place where they can hear your voice, to bring them to a place where they can do the will of God. I pray, Lord God, grace her and anoint her and bless her, strengthen her, provide for her. Everything she needs, Lord, take care of it. Everything she needs, Lord, take care of it. Keep her, Lord, even in this season of warfare in her life, Lord, that you would surround her with your angels and you would keep her in your way. Father, I thank you, Lord, for Sister Cheryl. I thank you for J.C. Overcomer Ministries. I thank you for the truth that's going forth there. I pray that you would add to this ministry. And, Father, we pray for Ophelia, too, in Singapore. We pray for her, Lord. Protect her, keep her. Keep her, keep her, keep her, keep her, keep her. Protect her. Get her out of there. Send some people. Help her get right in her mind. We speak rightness over her mind. In Jesus' name. And, Lord, right now we also pray for our sister Wendy and her children and her household, her whole situation. Father, we pray, Lord God, that you would bring a peace and all the strife. Work everything out. Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. Your will be done. Your will be done. Your kingdom come, Father. Give her some direction in the situation. Give her direction in the situation, Lord. Father, we just pray right now, Lord God, that you would lead her by your Holy Spirit. Cover her and surround her with some strong women, some strong men of God, people of God that can help carry her through the situation. Lord, we pray for Will, Lord, that you keep him in his right mind, help him to make uh, things right, help him to get on track. And, Lord, use these men and women for glory. Use, Lord, even the good, the bad, and the ugly. Lord, let it be a testimony. Let it be a ministry. Let it be a praise, however you need to work it out. But use it in a mighty way to get all the glory and the honor and the praise, Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you, Father. And we say tonight that God be the glory. It's all about you, Jesus. It's never about us. It's never about Prayer International. It's never about Chris or Sean. But it's always about Jesus here. So, Lord, help us to stay focused on that. Help us to stay true to your word. And we pray, Lord God, bless Israel, bless Israel, bless Israel. And God bless America. Father, tonight we just thank you for everything you're doing. And we just ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Listen, we'll be back same time, same place tomorrow night. You know we love you guys and you girls, and we're praying for you. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Amen.